You are listening to Ball Side Goal Side, putting coaches in a better position. Hosted by Ed Heberling and Eric Dabransky. All right, back here for Ball Side Goal Side. This is Ed Heberling, joined by Eric Dabransky. Uh, coming to you uh, again, once again, with another topic here today, Eric. I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's been a while since we've been on. Um, how you doing? Yeah, it feels like forever. We've uh, the world is the world has changed since we uh, since we last uh, did an episode. Yeah. So yeah. I hope you and the family are safe and healthy. Um, you know, like I said, I think everybody's on pause right now. Every club, every uh, college program, everybody's trying to figure out a, a way to get better through these times and, and, you know, try to find ways to improve, which, you know, like I said, I think for, for a lot of coaches like you and I, it's, you know, it's, it's what we, you know, it's, it's the creative time, you know, right. like I, I know a lot of coaches are doing zoom meetings with their players. I know they're doing zoom training sessions. I know they're sending out, you know, Instagram sessions. I mean, again, the creativity that I see is, is pretty incredible. So um, really, really interesting to see what, uh, what a lot of these clubs and coaches are doing to kind of keep their players uh, improving and engaged and, and things like that. So how's everything up in Utah? Everything's good up here. Yeah. It's been a crazy time up here. You know, our facility has been closed down, but uh, you know, um, been able to keep busy. The same thing's going on up here. The coaches are trying to find ways to, to actively engage uh, the players. I know, you know, we're having zoom meetings and class board discussions and all that as well with the uh, Utah state players are going through that. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a hectic time. My wife, Laura has, adjusting or is adjusting I guess this is a an odd time for her uh you know not having season so um, yeah she's she coaches a sport that's a spring sport yeah, yeah yeah so it's just been uh you know one of those for her that's been a slow adjustment but she's getting there um so it's been interesting we'll see how this all proceeds and and uh but you know thankfully everyone's safe and healthy up here and and you know also with my family uh you know we don't don't seem to be having any problems so it's it's been good I've I've been thankful is your son Hollis going uh, going crazy in the house yet? Uh, well, he always goes crazy in the house. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, now even more. It's yeah, it's been uh, interesting. I went out and we bought him actually before all this happened. We got him his first soccer cleats, and uh, I had to go out and buy a little pug goal. We put it in the backyard for him and a couple balls, and and uh, he's been having some fun. He's got a new bike, um, you know, so he's enjoying it because he's getting all kinds of new stuff that he can play with. Um, that, that we didn't have necessarily beforehand. So it's been good though. He's uh, yeah, he's doing well. He's, he's, he's loving life right now, having mom and dad home more. So, oh, that's yeah. That's yeah, no, I mean, it's been entertaining to see, you know, um, like I said, the adjustment for coaches, because I think we're all used to being on the go. Yeah. You know, it's definitely, uh, you know, like you coach club and college soccer. I do the same coaching college soccer and club. And then, and then finding time administratively to do things in the middle. And um, it's definitely uh, interesting to talk to other coaches and figure out like, Hey, like we have no choice, but be inside. Right. You know, so like, how do we improve administratively? Is it something, you know, like we just hired a new assistant coach for my program. And it was like, I was telling him, it was like, we need to use this time to, to really hammer home marketing our program, owning social media, doing things that we haven't typically done very well um, that, that we could have time to do, you know, we could still recruit online, you know, so it's definitely a, a, an adjustment and, uh, speaking to a lot of coaches, it's, it's, it's a learning curve, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's the challenge. And I think, I think once that curve is hit, I think, uh, us as coaches will find that we can be more efficient 
and and improve in ways we communicate, train, and you know do all kinds of stuff with our players and, and make it a little more beneficial for them. Um, you know, uh, and I think uh, I'm seeing from just a team meeting standpoint, sometimes it's just as easy to jump on a Zoom thing real quick instead of pulling them all together if it's just a quick thing, right? Um, you know, and you can go over stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how we all transition out of this once uh, once this is done. Agreed. So, um, Eric, I know, uh, you know, one thing we're going to talk about here today, well, the thing we're going to talk about today is something that I think I've mentioned on here before, and if not, um, I always – you, well, everyone knows you and I always had a, a good battle going on. And um, I always felt like you were well prepared when it came to playing, playing us um, back before, you know, even video was easy to get to. Uh, I can remember logging in and seeing that you had, you know, watched our, our, uh, our game <laughs> being played. Uh, you know, you were a paying customer to, to get the scouting reports and such um, to really watch our team and, and see how we play. And, uh, you know, I think that that was a, a big part of your success was it was your ability to, to take the time and evaluate and, and scout teams. Um, and I feel like you've really grown that program at JWU in large part because of it also recruiting and development of players. But uh, I think your your tactical approach and your preparation is is second to none when it comes to, to uh, scouting reports and getting your team ready to play. And so I think today's topic is, is going to be pretty exciting. I, I, I'm excited to hear your kind of thoughts on this and, and you and I discuss this is just the scouting reports in general. Um, you know, what, why is it important to you? What, what do you feel um, has been, why do you feel your teams have been so successful doing your scouting reports? Well, obviously I'd obviously appreciate uh, you thinking that we were well-prepared. It's it was always funny that, um, and even to this day, it's always funny when, when uh, holiday holiday gifts and, 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 birthday gifts or a, a year long subscription to the opponents, uh, uh <laughs> on, on, online, uh, video stream. Now, um, our conference requires us, uh, each team to have instat. So now we have to share video, but back when you were in the conference and, um, even just a year or two ago, it was always, you had to screen record it or you had to buy into the, you know, the, the opponent's, uh, live stream, and so it was a little bit more of you had to be creative because we all played on the same days. We all played on Wednesday, Saturdays, or we played on Thursday, Fridays. So it wasn't like I was at home, you know, just watching USCB play. Um, right. It was always a system where you had to go back and, and do it. And, and my wife was very, was very keen on knowing that, that those meant a lot to me. So she would always uh, gift me the username and password to my year's uh, subscription to Sand Shark <laughs> Soccer. So it was always like, oh, she knew she knew exactly what I needed when I needed it. So um, so it was always fun. So I was always happy to and to support uh, support your program. But, yeah, I mean, I think, Ed, I think you and I, you know, we'd always have um, differing discussions on on scouting reports. It was it was always funny from the aspect of I would always talk to you and you you were always about my team needs to do this to execute it. My team, you know, like as long as my team does X, Y, Z. And you were always very, very upfront about you were more concerned with how your team um, did things. But it was always funny because then I'd, I'd call you and ask you on a scouting report of, uh, about a team. And then you'd send me this form that was like one of the most like extravagant forms that I've ever seen filled out. <laughs> and, then, and I'm like, this guy, like this guy tells me it's all about his team. 
And then he sends me this form that's like, uh, that's detailed to the T. It was probably more filled out than my scouting report forms. <laughs> and I'm like, geez, I'm like, so this guy's telling me one thing, but then sends me the scouting report. But I think <laughs> what I've learned from that, Ed, is, and obviously I think us as coaches, we always grow and we always develop new ideas as we kind of uh, build our program. But I think what I learned from seeing your scouting reports is your players don't need to know all that stuff. Right. Um, and I think that's what I, that's what I gained going back and forth with you, because obviously I think whenever you're within a conference, you're always trying to get information from coaches that, that you really do see eye to eye with in terms of how you, how you see the game, how you view the game um, and what you value as important within the game. Like whether, you know, like you and I valued set pieces in yeah. terms of like, okay, what, what were teams tendencies on set pieces? Um, even those little things that, that, you know, might come down to a one nothing game. And I think, I think that's what I learned from seeing your scouting report was like, man, this could be really detailed, which obviously mine were detailed, but like, I think I was, I was sending my, my players all this information. And, um, and I think what I was learning was you were just kind of giving your kids pieces and that's kind of what we've, what we've kind of gone to. Um, I think you and I built programs that were very similar in terms of, um, we didn't hit the ground running, you know, we, we had to, we had to piece it, uh, bit by bit in terms of year by year, it was a gradual progression. So I think whenever you do things like that, I think scouting reports, um, maybe, maybe are valued a little bit more in terms of, you know, there's, there's things that you need to make the opponent do, and you need to value, um, their weaknesses and their strengths, and you need to value the ability to expose, expose those areas of space that you could expose, um, so I think those, those were always important to me. I was, I'm a big believer that there's no problem in being overprepared. Um, right. I don't think it stops kids from performing. I think, you know, I think if anything, I think the kids feel more comfortable with it. Um, but I think you would agree as well. It's also about the kids that you recruit too. You know, I think, um, kids that are, th that are well aware that, Hey, you're coming into a program that's prepared, that we do scouting reports. We do, you know, we value that information. Um, those kids tend to value, you know, uh, the knowledge that, that comes with those scouting reports and knowing, and those kids end up being the ones that like, okay, coach, you, you said this about this player, right? And you're like, oh yeah, yep. That, that's exactly correct. So they're the ones asking the questions more often, but yeah, it was always important to us. Um, you know, especially like you and I, we always seem to have the last game of the season when you were in our conference. <laughs> yeah. So, so by then we had seen each other like 10 times. Um, right. And so it was, it was quite an interesting uh, matchup because we always, we always knew a lot about each other. And then, it, and we talked about it in a couple episodes, uh, a couple early episodes was you and I always had, had something at stake, you know? Right. So it was like, and, and that, that doesn't mean that none of the other games were important, but it, it was always seemed to by the end of the end of the season, you and I had something that it was like, you won, you got in the tournament. I won, I got in the tournament. Um, you know, so it was always one of those things where we kind of knew, uh, knew each other pretty well. And then we were always trying to throw something different, whether it was a different set piece by the end of the week, you know, like it was like, okay, you know, Ed, Ed has seen this set piece all year long. Now let's just change the runs a little bit or you do the same. So uh, like I said, I think, I think there's a value in being prepared. Um, obviously every level is different. You know, club is club is different than college. High school is different than college. Uh, the ability to see video, um, the ability to break down video, um, like I mentioned, our, um, our conference, uh, is, is, you know, has benefited from having instat, 
um, yep. and having the ability to, whereas in you and I, if you and I play each other on a Wednesday, our video has to be uploaded on Wednesday night. It's available Thursday. So teams can look at it, break it down, things like that. And it's already broken down for you. So I think there's just different, there's different, um, um, tools that, that people can use. Obviously at the high school club level, you could, you could go watch a game as well. You know, like if you're playing right. a tournament and you know, you might be playing the team on a final in the final, the next day, you could go watch them and, and value and evaluate them. The, the one thing that I would say that that's always been important to you and I, uh, and I know this from when you and I would talk about scouting reports is getting more than just one look at a team. Um, I know typically what I would do, Watching a team four times might be too much yeah. uh, in terms of it, it might be too time consuming. But typically what I would do was try to watch the obviously the team's most most recent game and then and then watch them again, whether it was an earlier game throughout in the season that maybe against a team that was similar to mine, whether I played direct or possession or something like that or athletically. So typically I'd try to get two different looks um, at teams in terms of just uh, – you know, just kind of getting a, a maybe a here and now in terms of a, a, you know recent and uh, and something in the past. So at least getting those two looks. If I could get a third, whether it's a half of something, that would be awesome. But uh, but like I said, time time is always of the essence. So, so it's tough because you still need to break them down. You still need to to put something in a scouting report for your players. So it's so it's definitely time consuming. Yeah. So I don't know if you felt the same way about getting ready when you were at Buford or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was, you know, it was was funny because I tried Instat uh, my last year in Beaufort and I think it was only us and Thomas had it. And so um, I wasn't going to renew it for that next year because uh, it wasn't as beneficial except for our own players, but it wasn't as beneficial as I was hoping it would be. Um, So hearing the conference switch to that, um, you know, I'm sure makes it a lot easier here at Utah state. They do the same thing with Instat and all the, it's a conference mandate. So, so we were able to use that um, you know, for the scattering reports, but, uh, um, you know, I was the same way. Um, I, I want to get a couple looks and then, uh, you know, as you talked about scattering reports, I'd also reach out to some other coaches. Um, like you said, that maybe similar style, um, you know, that, and, and kind of get their takes on it. And I, I found sometimes interesting what that was is, you know, as you mentioned, I think at the start was each coach could kind of value something differently. So, um, you learn who to kind of go to on, on what scattering reports you want and what you're looking for. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes some coaches would try and help you out, but they would inflate the other team to be so much better than what they were, or they would downplay how good the team is. And so you, you know, watching the video, you have to make sure that you, you, you know, and know and understand those things. Um, for those of you who don't know in stat, um, what I like about it is, is it breaks everything down into the attacking third, uh, you know, set pieces and you can kind of go through and you don't necessarily have to watch the whole game, but you can kind of get ideas on things pretty quickly. Um, by taking the quick snapshots. Um, but, um, you know, when it, when it came to evaluating opponents, it, it was always for me, where could I find those weaknesses that maybe our strengths were? How could we kind of expose those weaknesses? Um, you know, and thinking about what, what, what were their, you know, like you said, playing direct or playing possessional, what were they trying to do? How were they trying to possess the ball? Um, and then could we disrupt that some way or another, um, you know, by throwing just a little wrinkle in them, uh, you know, we, like I you, you mentioned it, we never changed a whole lot of things that we would do, but we would try to adjust just enough. If there was something that we felt like they were going to do significantly better than us, that could really expose us. And we would try to make those tactical adjustments as needed. Um, 
Um, but you know, for us, it was more about here's what the opponent does and here's where the weaknesses are. Here's where we really need to execute. Um, and we can find some success if it's not on, then we need to do this or this or this, you know, a, B or C. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't, like you said, I didn't hit my players too hard with a lot of the information. It was more just the basics of here's where they're at and here's what we're doing. And, and let's try and, and work that way. Um, and then, you know, throughout the game, we make the adjustments as necessary as most coaches do. Um, you know, by, with each sub, we kind of, you know, tell them what to do or change the the flow of the game a little bit by, by changing the, the personnel that's on it. So, um, you know, it was important for me to, to really get a couple looks, but not overthink it either. Um, you know, you could easily get yeah. your, in your own head if you saw too many times or, or whatever. Um, uh, you know, I can go back to thinking of, you know, certain players in our conference on the top teams uh, in the Sun Conference that, you know, every time you watch them, they just seem to get better and better and better. And, and, and maybe that was actually what was happening, but uh, you know, your players could also, when you, when you kind of focused on that one player, it, it could close them down pretty easily as well. They, they, you know, they could get a little bit uh, scared or timid going against some of the better players. Yeah. I think, I think you brought up a, a couple of great points, I think. And, and my next comment is just, is just really to kind of, this is this has always been mindset my mindset when I got prepared for teams, and this was always something from the coach's side. This is not something that I would I would definitely you know maybe openly tell our players, but like I know from the coaching side, whenever you watch opponents, the biggest thing is is you understand that each one of the players on the field is human. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means that there's 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 built in tendencies to their game. So. And that doesn't mean it's positive or negative. It just means that there is going to be tendencies. So whether, whether, you know, whether I as a coach are trying to coach my team to do one thing or the other, each player has a built-in tendency that, that you can expose, whether as a weakness or a strength. Yeah. You know, we've, we've played teams in our conference that um, had a, maybe a left back that when put under pressure, she immediately turned the ball over. And there, there was moments where we were like, hey – our team guide them to the left, you know, and then once it played the left, now we, we high press and we, we would actually, we actually scored a goal off of it. You know, so those are the things is you don't always being prepared. Doesn't always equal that you're going to win, but obviously giving yourself a better chance to, to be able to press. So understanding that, that players are human. So those, those tendencies and those triggers are going to be there. So I think, you know, whether a player is dominantly, uh, you know, predominantly right footed, and then if you want to put them on their left and then, and then a second defender wants to press that left foot, you know, there's just things that you can find within the game that, that players just tend to do because, because like I said, they're, they're human. And, and, and obviously, you know, they have the ability to, you know, really um, highlight their strengths and weaknesses. So I think those are the things is what, what is individually, what do they do? Um, you know, where, what are their triggers? If it hits the, if it hits the nine, the center forward, you know, there's, there's going to be tendencies from the seven and 11 in terms of, okay, this nine does something specific. The seven 11 will do something consistently uh, built off of that, that, that trigger or that tendency. So it's, it's understanding that it's like letting your back line know it's like, Hey, listen, once that ball hits the feet of the nine, this is what the seven 11 are going to do. Don't end up biting on this or that. And then letting them know, and, and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with letting our 
letting our players know that in terms of um, in terms of those aspects. So it's always, you know, it's always beneficial to watch them. But yeah, just knowing from the human aspect of kids, you know, players are going to have those those things already and everybody's going to have their style of play, like whether they want to build out of the back, whether they want to, you know, build through the middle, whether they want to, you know, do different things. But each player is still going to have their their tendency of either going side to side if it's a if it's a holding midfielder that doesn't really feel the confidence of of kind of pinging it into a tight space going forward and all they want to do is go side to side you know those are those are things we played an opponent a couple years ago um and their their pivot player and their so-called their you know their their player that kind of ran the show was their holding midfielder their six which is which is typical you know obviously typically a six for everybody is is a is a player that that can kind of run the show and, and can create tempo and, and things like that. So I always call those players pivot players because if it's yeah. coming from their left side, it's going to go to their right. And she did a great job of spraying the ball around. And, and, but the tendency of the team was they relied solely on this kid to, to be the pivot player and to be the, to be the, the person that ran the show. So we man marked yeah. her and, and they struggled, you know, they struggled to, um, to, to really find space going forward. They struggled to find a different player to, to run the show. Um, and we beat them by multiple goals. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't want to say that that was the, um, the end, the end of the game for them, but it was, it was definitely a, something as like, Hey, this team is, and they, I think they came into the game with a, with a great record as well. Um, and having a good season, but, um, but it was literally just what I saw. It was like every time mm-hmm. the outside forward hit a wall and couldn't go forward anymore, they found the six or outside back found it. So it was like, okay, so let's take away their one major, you know, their one major um, tendency of, okay, the six has been my, you know, been my go-to let's take it away, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it wasn't easy. Obviously our, our, our midfielder was, would look, would look at me sometimes like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, not necessarily like uh, enjoying the role, but, um, but it helped, you know, but I think that goes into knowing your team as well. It's, you know, knowing what your team can do um, and knowing their strengths and, and I think having high soccer IQ players in terms of knowing the game, but yeah, I mean, just those cues and those triggers where it was like, Hey, it was, it, it's not simple, but if you can execute it and you could take away this player or take away that player, you know? Um, but I think that's where you, you know, um, you and I have always seen the game in terms of scouting reports and, and really taking advantage of, of uh, evaluating an opponent. But, but I think when it comes to evaluating an opponent, there's a couple keys. There's, I think you and I would agree that restarts have always been important. Um, Whether it's goal kick restarts, whether it's throw in restarts, whether it's free kick restarts, uh, looking at restarts and tendencies, maybe even kickoff tendencies. Um, You know, now, now obviously the game has changed where the ball could just go forward. So those kickoffs, you know, are a little bit more um, uh, prevalent in terms of, okay, let's just be careful of kickoffs as well. Uh, But restarts in general, uh, knowing, knowing what they're looking for. Um, I know, there's a number of times that in our conference and even with, you know, when I coached high school and even when I coached club, um, a lot of coaches have verbal cues, yeah. uh, which, which is something that, you know, whether it's a verbal cue of a coach telling their team to high press or low press or uh, change different, change different things. Um, there's verbal cues that have definitely helped me throughout our conference. Uh, and even just in high school and things like that, that, that talking to another coach and, and making that, letting them, you know, them telling me to be aware of like, Hey, when the coach yells out this, this means 
they're going to high press you. Or when a coach yells out this, that means they're changing into a, a 4-4-2. So things like that. So those have been very beneficial because I remember a game in a conference. <clears throat> we were up, uh, I think, 3-2 late on a conference opponent. And um, if I hadn't known, if I hadn't talked to a coach before that game of knowing the verbal cue of this, of this coach, uh, they probably definitely would have exposed us and, and really gotten, gotten that tying goal. And uh, luckily, I knew the verbal cue. Uh, we were able to switch our formation to adjust to their verbal cue, to, the, to their adjustment, and we were able to hold on and, and win, a, win a tight conference game. So those verbal cues. Uh, and, then, and then lastly, it's really just where is the space going to be? Because I think I don't think there's any, you know, I don't think there's any formation that's, that's foolproof uh, when it comes to exposing some sort of space defensively, there's going to be something, whether you're playing a four, four, three, three with one holding midfielder, you know, you're going to be able to find some space on either side of the six at, at moments, you know, mm-hmm. so, so really helping your team understand like, Hey, these are going to be, you know, when you're playing, when you're playing against a team that plays a four, four, two, you know, you're probably going to have more space on the outsides with the outside backs um, and the ability to maybe overload sometimes, so, I mean, you're, you're really going to see and, and let your players know, like, hey, when you win the ball in transition, these are going to be the gaps that you can hit. And these players need to be responsible of, of finding, finding uh, an angle and finding, uh, you know, finding the link to, to uh, open up that space. So we've always been keen on those things, Three, uh, the restarts, verbal cues. Uh, the triggers. So obviously I mentioned it earlier, the triggers of when it hits the 10. So usually triggers we, we base on when it hits one of their, one of their top players. Uh, so like if their number 10 is, is one of their best players, it's the trigger of when it hits the 10 or the nine or anything like that, uh, watching what players do off of that. Um, and then, like I said, where the space is uh, when you win it in transition or even when you lose it in transition and what space they're looking to expose. Right, right. Yeah. And those, those are all, uh, you know, great, great clues, great uh, points, you know, that, that it comes to evaluating the opponent. Um, I think we touched on this a little bit, Eric, um, as we were going through this, because it does kind of work hand in hand, but also while you're evaluating the opponents, knowing your own team strengths and weaknesses, uh, you know, is going to be a crucial part of this. And I found that, um, you know, us as coaches, we have to have a little humility um, and, and, and be humble with what yeah. we have and, and, you know, and it makes it hard sometimes. And, you know, we'll get to this as well, but, you know, also your players have to have that same understanding that, that we have to change things up based on what our personnel are, yep. um, you know, and it's no offense to them. It's no, you know, but maybe they do have the tendencies that we talked about or they, ha- you know, um, the, they are, uh, you know, when they get the ball, they always turn to their left or they always play it backwards first. They don't ever get their head up to go forward. Um, you know, so we, we have to know our team and our strengths and our weaknesses. And, and I think that, um, you know, for us, that was one of the things that I always tried to, you know, focus on was, was what could we do? Where were we strong? Where were we weak? Um, and, and how can we kind of make those changes when necessary? Or how can we prepare those players, um, you know, uh, you know, for what was happening and why we were making the adjustments? Um, do you feel like that, that uh, that's more important than evaluating the opponents, knowing your own team? Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point. I think, I think that's, that's always a big piece to it um, is uh, I think I think I agree with you. I think it, it is more important to know your own team than, than evaluate the opponent because I can think back in, I want to say it was 2017. I could be wrong about the year, but there was a year where um, 
we were a talented team. We evaluated opponents well, but I did a poor job as a coach in terms of really honing in on the strengths and weaknesses of our players. Um, and that was just a byproduct of, you know, and it wasn't totally just having a bunch of new players because we did have a bunch of new players, but I was, I was going into that year thinking, okay, we have a talented group. Let's not, let's not change too much. Um, let's not adjust, like you said, like the humility. And I think that's maybe what I lacked that year was the humility to say, Hey, we're good, but we still need to adjust to X, Y, Z. And I think I did a poor job of really knowing our strengths and weaknesses. And we lost some tight games. I think we, we went into, we went into like the final two weeks of our season, uh, seven and three. We just needed one win to make the tournament. Uh, obviously when you're seven and three, you're probably not just hoping for one more win. Um, but we went this uh, the final two weeks, seven and three, and we lost all five games, and we went seven and eight, uh, and we missed the tournament completely. So I think that was I think that goes to your point is I think knowing the strengths and weaknesses, and those were moments where, as much as you evaluate opponents and as much as you 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 do the scouting reports, there is going to have to be a lot of in game adjustments um, within your players and your and your coaching staff that that again I just didn't I wasn't able to successfully do. Um, in that year. And, and it, and it cost us, we lost, I think the four of the five games that we finished up, we lost one goal games. I think one of them was to you. Um, I think they were all like two, one, one, nothing games. And, uh, and those, those are games that, you know, sometimes, yeah, you can have a good evaluation of your opponent, but if you don't know your team, then you can't push the right buttons. Um, and I would make a joke to my staff sometime, not a joke, but obviously it was after the season in terms of like, I really felt poorly about the way I managed our, our group, but I would make the joke to our, our staff. It's like, I just, I would look down the bench or look on the field and I, and I, and I didn't have any answers in terms of like, I didn't, I didn't know how, which player do this job. And, and like I said, after that season, I've, I've definitely tried to make it more of a point. Um, and, it, and it's definitely proven to be beneficial the last next two seasons. Um, I think obviously the preparation for your players means a lot too. And obviously, you know, you would agree is the lead up, how you, how you present it to your players in the lead up of the opponent. Um, I know a lot of teams in our conference do not enjoy the Wednesday, Saturday setup, um, in terms of conference play week as we play right. Wednesday, Saturday, I, I've enjoyed the switch just because it gives me two days in between to prepare for a Saturday right. game instead of One day. we used to be on Friday, Sunday, where it's like, you pretty much put all of your scouting report, all of your energy into a Friday game. And then all of a sudden you play the Friday game. And now that result dictates what you're doing Sunday. And you have no, you have no ability to prepare the right way. You know, you've got one day, which is typically like a jog and a stretch, and then you're doing film or doing something else. So it was such a tough turnaround. Whereas now your players can properly get healthy in between the two days and you could properly, um, get them prepared, whether it's, you know, obviously Thursday after a Wednesday game could be a jog and a stretch and, and, and treatment and things like that. And then you could watch film and then Friday, you could still do a light walkthrough where you're doing tactical uh, patterns of play to goal. You're doing tactically adjustments to what they would do. Um, so I think the presentation uh, with the two days in between is, is definitely better. And it, and it keeps some of, some of the teams, you know, a little bit more even where we can all prepare the same way instead of the one day turnaround um, I know you were always around with the one day turnaround. So, you know, you didn't, you didn't necessarily have the two days because like I said, I'll, I'll take the two days of preparation anytime, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, I think you said it. So, I mean, I never thought of it that way, but I think that's, 
entirely correct. The humility that, that you as coaches and you as players have to have um, because, you know, I've been, I've been obviously uh, blessed to never, never have the question of coach. Right. Why are we doing always I've always had players just going, yep, yep. And they, and they buy in and they understand, you know, like whether we're playing the number one team in the country, whether we're playing the number four team in the country, whether we're playing, you know, whoever, they've always just kind of understood that, hey, this is the way we do it and this is the, the, yeah. they value it. So it's um, – but, yeah, knowing their strengths. And, and that's the thing is I think, I think a lot of the players, um, you know, are really, are really uh, understanding of what their strengths and weaknesses are. I think that's, I think that's the one thing that I've really enjoyed, um, you know, over the last 10, 13 years of – of college coaching, club coaching is, is how self-aware these, these players yeah. are nowadays. I think they're so self-aware. Um, I give them a lot of credit. They, they know, they know exactly like, Hey, this is what I do really well. Uh, this is what I don't do well. And, you know, coach, can you help me, uh, just, you know, really highlight those things. And, and those, those are things that as coaches and, you know, I appreciate a lot, you know, you never, you don't have players thinking that they're, you know, um, you know, faster than they are or, or more technical, you know, they're, they're very within themselves in terms of self-aware. So that always helps when you're building a scouting report uh, and you're building, you know, the, the ability to, to kind of understand that stuff. But yeah, the buildup is, is always important in terms of the, the sessions and things like that. And then um, we, I don't know if you ever had this issue, but my, my game day issues have always been nutrition. So my, my players, like, if we played a 7 p.m. game, so obviously 7 p.m. is typically like yeah. a dinner time, you know, things like that. So my my players in my program, we we always struggle with, you know, kids at seven o'clock. All of a sudden, like by halftime, they're they're dying because they're yeah. just hungry, you know, like their their body needs their body needs nutrition and things like that. And um, we've changed our scouting report days on game day to earlier in the day, so our kids have pl- the the rest of the day to kind of take care of themselves and eat properly and. Whereas, and we used to do our scouting reports, like typically right before the game, not right before the game, but maybe yeah. two hours before, which is typically when they should be eating. Um, so if you're kicking off at, at seven, you know, we typically maybe do our, our pregame meeting at four thirty, And that's kind of when in that window of that three hours where it's like, Hey, get something to eat and do that stuff instead of, you know, scouting reports. So now we, we would do our scouting reports earlier in the day, like one o'clock, uh, you know, get them after lunch come into a scouting report and then they've already got it for the rest of the day and they take care of themselves eating and things like that. And, and it's definitely benefited us. Uh, and I have to give, like, give our sports nutritionist a lot of credit for that thought because um, she had brought it up where it was like, why can't you just meet earlier in the day? I was like, that's not a bad idea, <laughs> you know? So it's just those outside opinions and, and things like that. But um, I think you would agree with this and I'd love your opinion on it. It's, um, I think you and I have always saw, uh, have always viewed recruiting the same way. And I, th- and I think everybody views recruiting this way for the most part. It's as much as we all want to be in love with a style of play and in love with a formation and things like that. I think you and I have always agreed that if a player comes along that maybe plays better in a four, four, two or four, three, three or whatever, but she's the best player available, then you're going to make right. the adjustment. You know, I think we, we've all agreed that, Hey, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a player that, Maybe she doesn't fit in my quote unquote system of play, but man, she's a good player, you know? So I think we've always valued, okay, is the kid, does the kid have a high soccer IQ? Yes. Does the kid, is the kid talented? Yes. Now it's on you as a coach to figure out 
like we talked about the ability to, to make it all work and put it all together. I think that's always been something that, that you and I have valued. I mean, again, we both came from programs that we, we had to start and we had to build. Yeah. It's been, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you do go in and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to play a certain system of play. And then you do find that special player, that player that maybe does shift it along. Maybe, maybe you played a four, three, three and, and you had the two holding midfielders. And um, I don't know if you remember back, I had a, I had a pretty solid number six that she could do it all on her own. Um, no offense to the coaches at the time, but she did lead the conference in goals scored and still couldn't get a, an all conference nomination. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, she was very good, but we changed our system based around her because she could do the job on her own. Um, you know, we've, we've shifted from a four back system to a three back system at times because our defenders were strong enough to be able to do that um, without, without really having to change a whole lot because when it comes six are all the same when it comes to your formation it's just how you're kind of aligning the players to start um you know and so you know i i'm a i'm a believer with you that if there is a player that's out there that you know will make a difference and as us as coaches have to do and get the rest of the team to to kind of build around that player and and see that they'll have more success having a player in a different system than what they're normal or what they're used to. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, that's the, that's a challenging part. And I think that's part of the, the part two for knowing your strengths and weaknesses, you know, are you getting this player to kind of, uh, fill in a weakness that you had, um, you know, that, that you were, you were missing, but she's going to kind of change everything or he's going to change everything for you just because, um, you know, it, those weaknesses turn to strengths, but now your formation changes, your tactics change. Maybe, maybe she's great in the air. He's great in the air. And now, now you can be deadly on set pieces. Uh, maybe, maybe she can ping a ball. He can ping a ball, you know, 60 yards, uh, switch the field. And now you can be a little more directing your attack at times. Uh, there's little things like that, that, you know, you, you're going to look at and see, and maybe, maybe it does take you from being a possession oriented team to more of a direct because you can with accuracy, put some balls over the top and, and be a little more dangerous. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement there. And I think that's part of it when it comes to knowing your strengths and weaknesses. And when you're out on the recruiting trail, you know, what can I find that will kind of strengthen our weaknesses, make us a better team, and then allow us to kind of pursue and go forward and, and still be more competitive and, and maybe throw a different wrinkle at teams that they're not used to. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that we've, I think all college teams try to do is try to be, try to be good at, at both where it's like, Hey, if it's, a, if it's a team that's going to sit back on you, then we can possess, we can break you down. If it's a team that's going to play a little higher, if it's going to, you know, higher press, maybe, you, maybe you have to break bigger lines of pressure and be a little bit more direct. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think going back to it, if I had to highlight, you know, three or four things when it came down to, to that, that portion that we just talked about of, of knowing your team and strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, the first one would be know your personnel, uh, know your team, make their role clear and simple. I kind of, I discussed with you earlier in this, in this episode was um, your make sure you're identifying those, those one or two or three things that your player needs to know, whether it's a six, whether it's an eight or a 10, you know, recognizing those things, you know, you as a coach can have the whole playbook, but understanding what's important for that player to know. So knowing your personnel making their role clear and simple, not overwhelming them with, oh, if, if, if player B does this and this does, you know, just really outlining 
the simplicity of it. And then uh, B, knowing what you want to accomplish. I think, I think that's, I mean, obviously the, the, what you want to do is win the game, but how you just mentioned it, you know, maybe what you do well is what they do really well, you know, in terms of maybe my team sprays the ball wide really well and gets great services, but maybe this team defends wide, wide spaces really well. Maybe this team defends, you know, uh, the midfield really well, you know, knowing what you want to accomplish, how do you want to unlock that? So if you're going to still want to go wide and then in, how are you going to unlock it? Because you're going to have to unlock it differently right. if they're good at that. Um, C would be uh, be prepared to adjust. I think you and I, you and I would agree 100% with this. Is, is is your initial plan might not always work. <laughs> you know, you might go in with a plan. Um, I've done this a number of times, and it's and it's you know obviously it's you know I always prepare my teams in terms of hey this is the initial outlook. So be prepared to adjust. You know, don't be don't don't be concerned if we have to adjust, but yeah, be prepared to adjust, have a, have a backup plan. Uh, because like I said, the initial, the initial plan might not work and, and you might have to scrap it. And then what you just said right at the, right before was, uh, was D was recognizing your team's strengths and weaknesses, you know, what, and, and that goes back to the humility part, the, the, you know, being humble enough to know, okay, this is what this team does really well. If we're going to give up this portion of the field, then we have to make sure we own this portion of the field. There's teams that I've played in the past that it's like, I tell my team, I'm like, okay, unfortunately we're not going to be able to stop them from serving the ball. Like that's just going to be an impossible task because if you do, you're going to give up the middle of the field. You're going to cause all sorts of problems. So not necessarily giving them wide spaces, but okay, listen, they're going to get wide, whether you like it or not, because that's what they're really good at. Now, what do you need to own? You need to own on clearing services. You need to own marking up when they get wide. So they're going to serve a ball into the, in the space, in, in, you know, serve a ball out wide, which means they're going to serve a ball into the box. So now what do you need to do? You need to be very clear on roles defensively. You, goalkeeper needs to be ready to own uh, his or her box. So there's things that, okay, don't freak out when it gets wide because that's what they're going to do. But now you need to win the second part of the battle um, which is now winning balls in the box, defending the right way, not giving them stances. So I think I think those are always important, knowing those strengths and weaknesses, and allowing your team to understand, like, hey, there's teams that are going to do certain things well. It's okay, we can. Yeah, yeah, great. And then um, Erica, yeah, I think uh, spot on there with it. Um, I think the last part here, which is is that we're going to touch on, is is the most important part, and it's probably going to be. Um, one that's going to be a little bit of discussion that maybe won't finish all today, but it's the presentation and understanding to your teams of the scouting report, um, you know, and, and how to go about that as, as I sit here and listen to you talk um, and we're, you know, we're, we're discussing this today. It came to my mind that you're talking about, okay, if they're in a four, three, three with one holding midfielder, we're going to look to do this because there's spaces on either side. So you have the half spaces basically that you can work in. Um, you know, if they're in a four, four, two with two center mids, you're going to have this, um, do you have like a, a, not a playbook, but a guideline that you hand out to players like with where the weaknesses are in certain formations? Um, you know, and, and this is just coming out of nowhere as we talked that, that hit me. Like, I wonder if, if, if I should have done that a little bit more, which would have helped in the scouting review or scouting reports and player understanding. Uh, we, we don't, we, we highlight it in our uh, pregame um PowerPoint. So we don't, we don't typically ha hand out anything in preseason or anything like that. I think that that goes, um, 
that goes into one of those things where uh, one thing that I've done a better job of as a coach, maybe in the last two or three years is asking questions of my players and not just always um, <clears throat> telling them, um, you know, whether it's just like a quick little water break and then you're like, Hey, you know, when you're playing a team against the, you know, in this formation, what's, you know, so asking them questions and allowing them to answer the questions. I think that's what I've, I've definitely gotten a lot better at over the years yeah. is not just answering the question for them, allowing them the ability to be wrong, be think, you know, be right. Um, I think the ability for them to feel comfortable asking questions is another thing that I was never good at when I first became a coach. You know, I think I was always that coach where everybody was scared to ask a question and, and that's never who you want to be in terms of, you know, your kids aren't going to necessarily learn if they're scared to ask you something uh, that might make them better. And, and that's something where I've tried to get a little better where it's like, Hey, great question. You know, this is, you know, and never treating any question to be wrong, but yeah, I've never, um, I've never really broken that stuff down. I do, like I said, I do break it down in our, in our pre uh, pregame PowerPoint that has highlighted aspects of, of the formation and, and where those spaces are and, um, and kind of getting, getting their, their view of it. Now with your, with your presentation, Eric, do you do a lot of video then in your PowerPoint. Do you include some short clips so that shows maybe those tendencies that you've talked about? We do. Uh, we do a 30 minute meeting, 15 minutes of it is video and 15 minutes of it is PowerPoint. Okay. So the 15 minutes is exactly what you just said. It's like, Hey, uh, anything we've been harping on that week of the, the spacing, the formation, the tendencies, the, the triggers, the things like that we'll, we'll highlight and we'll try to show them. Um, again, like we, we discussed earlier, it, we try to highlight in multiple episodes in terms of like, hey, here's an example of them doing it, of USCB doing it against this team. And here's an example of them doing it against this team so that they can get a feel for, hey, this is more of a consistent thing. Right. But, uh, but yeah, there's always video. Um, and this, this kind of goes back to what, you know, what some coaches differ in opinion as well. It's, I don't, I don't tend to send, show my team a lot of video of us, uh, especially within season. It, it might be more of a spring thing and a preseason thing. But when we get into scouting reports and we get into conference play and opponents and things like that, a lot of our, our film, a lot of our 15 minutes of film is, is basically the opponent. Um, we will maybe have one or two clips of maybe something that we need out, like a positive if, like, if we were defending a, a set piece or if we were defending a, a service or you know, getting in transition. Maybe those are moments where I'm like, hey, this is an example of how we did it really well. Right. But other than that, we, we don't break down our video a lot. Um, it's a lot of showing them. Um, we make all of our video available for our players, um, on our videos, uh, on our, on our software. So if they want to watch it and they want to, they want to break it down, obviously they're always more well, you know, welcome to come into the office and break it down or watch it themselves. But yeah, so I've always got video of the opponent and, um, and making sure that they know the other thing that's always helped us. And I, and I always tell coaches this, I don't know if, if they ever really use it from that aspect of it, but I think the, the, one of the best things that I did to sell it to our players and continue to do to sell it to our players is, is I think players become so consumed with trying to play a 90 minute game. Um, and I think, especially at this, this day and age, there's rarely any players that play a full 90 minutes. I mean, obviously back lines are typically positions that don't change for us. Yeah. You know, um, maybe you sub your outside back to get her a breather, but center backs usually typically say the same, but typically your players need subs, you know? So a lot of those 90 minutes are broken down um, in segments. So what I've always done is, is I've broken scouting reports and game day to 
six 15 minute periods within a 90 minutes. So we, we don't concentrate on like, Hey, this is what we want to do for 45. Hey, this is when, when this first 15 minutes, and then let's move on to the next 15 minutes. So don't, don't worry about, Hey, let's get out of the first half zero zero or get out of the first half up one nil, get, get through those segments of 15 right. minute periods and win those periods. Because most likely if you come into halftime and winning those segments, then you'll probably be winning the game or being in a good, a good position. So I think that helps our kids really understand like, Hey, let me just own each minute um, and let me own those 15s. And we've also used those 15 minute segments as the periods in time where we would make changes if we needed to. So right. we, we wouldn't change like five <laughs> minutes into the game, scrap everything. It'd be my kids would know clearly before kickoff. It's like, Hey, if at the 15 minute mark, we don't like the four, three, three that we're playing against Ed, we're going to change into a four, four, two diamond, but that'll be cute at the 15 minute mark at the captain at when I'll let the captains know and I'll let the players know. And usually typically we numerically numbered the, the, the formation that day. So whether it's like if, if, if it was changing into a four, four, two, we would just maybe goofy name it like 24 or something like that. Just, just, just put a number to it instead of me yelling across the field, like, Hey, we're changing (laughs) into a four, four, two, which, you know, diamond. So like our kids would know like, Hey, yeah. If I'm yelling out a, a, a number that we've equated to that formation change, then they know it. So I'm not yelling out a verbal cue to another coach like, hey, this is what we're changing into. And yeah. because, again, coaches at the club level, high school level, college level and pro level are are so good and so sophisticated that they're going to know those changes. So we've tried to we've tried to mask them with with, you know, changing up numbers. And we've always changed the numbers. So numbers won't change. It stay the same per game because obviously coaches can kind of get onto that and, and figure that out. But, um, but those 15 minute segments, and then also the ability to every game that we've ha- that we play, we always have three keys to the game. There's never four keys. There's never two keys, yeah. always three keys. I don't know how you guys did it, but three keys always seem manageable for us um, in terms of making it very simple. Now, obviously below each key, there's, there's descriptions in terms of what, what they needed to do. But the three keys were, hey, these are the three things that if we want to win this game, we need to execute. And those were always things that either at halftime or pregame or postgame, sorry, you'd, you'd highlight and be like, okay, you know, like you won the game because you executed all three of these keys. You did a great job. Or, hey, we didn't get the result we wanted because we only, you know, we didn't, we didn't really follow the game plan. Um, and as coaches, you would agree and everybody would agree. As coaches, we don't live life to say, I told you so. Yeah. Because if 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 I'm if I'm at the end of a game saying I told you so, guess what the results probably right, right. <laughs> it's, it's probably not a positive yeah. result. So I think I think players sometimes think that we always want to be right and we always want right. to be like, oh, I told you so. And I'm like, <laughs> I never I never right. want to be in a situation where I'm like, hey, told you so. You know, it's I never want to end that and end the post game meeting like that. You know, it's I want to make sure that hey, we executed and you guys understood, but. Um, I've definitely become more aware of each player learns differently nowadays Mm -hmm. and not, not nowadays, but always, Uh, you know, I think every, every player retains information differently. Um, Every player values information differently. So understanding, and that goes back to understanding your team's uh, strengths and weaknesses is understanding like, Hey, how do I need to communicate this, this game plan to you? And, and how can I make sure that this is, uh, this is clear and simple enough where you're not overthinking it? Because you and I know it. There's definitely some players that um, 
tend to go on the other side where it's like, now I've given you two or three tidbits and now it's like, what are you doing? You're overthinking the game. Right. And now you're not playing freely and now you're not thinking of just, just doing it. But, but yeah, so always breaking throughout training of the week, getting ready for an opponent, always breaking that down into, uh, into six 15 minute periods, obviously taking care of the first half first and the three 15 minute periods. Yeah. And then, um, and then the functional portion of making sure that you're practicing what you're, what you're going to preach, what you're going to tell them on game day and, and not just all of a sudden saying, Hey, this is the, this is the uh, pattern to goal that we've been, you know, working on all week um, and making sure that it, it, your game day discussion is more of just highlighting what you've worked on all week already. Right. You know, it's not presenting anything new. It's not, you know, Oh my gosh, we practiced this, but now we're going to do this. It's, it's not, it's not about that. It's, it's about making sure that those two days that the two or three days of preparation that you're, you're really highlighting and making sure they understand it. Um, and then, like I said, the three keys, understanding that stuff, it definitely takes work from the coaching staff side of it, of breaking down video, knowing what you want to do before, before training. But I mean, that's our job, yeah. you know, is, is getting a, getting a win and, and getting the best out of our players and, and making sure, you know, obviously everybody's practice session leading up to a game is different, you know, leading up to set pieces, leading up to how you execute showing people a game plan in terms of, the walkthrough portion of it. But like I said, those are, those are the facts of just knowing your players and knowing how they learn and, and what, what's the best way to teach them. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the, 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 the thing that, you know, for me was that I learned through this was, was that consistent messaging you hit on it with saying we always had three points, no more, no less. Um, yep. Because I can remember going back and, and bringing up something with one of the teams and it overwhelmed the players because there was more information yeah. than normal and it wasn't even it was wasn't even one of the better teams right it was it was an in-state rival um you know uh that, that I wanted to that we wanted to play we wanted to win we were kind of losing some recruits to them and I came at them with a whole lot of information and it overwhelmed them it wasn't the same message and so they they got tensed up more they thought it was a bigger game than what it really was um in my mind maybe it was and that's why I did it but I learned from there whoa take a step back you know be consistent with what you're giving them. And, um, you know, we would do the same thing by the end of it. Once I kind of got it sorted was, you know, three main topics, a couple little things we would follow up. Like you said, with at the end of the game, how did we do? We'd even check on it at halftime. How are we doing here? Um, you know, if, if a sub came off the field, we'd ask them, you know, especially if it was specific to their position, what they were supposed to be working on, how it was going, what they saw, what adjustments do we need to start making and, and such from their viewpoint. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was big that the, the presentation was consistent, you know, um, you know, the other thing that, you know, we tried to do sit down things. We tried to have them come in individually. We tried to post things up on the wall. Um, we would always end up having in our little locker room before the game, kind of the, the three points posted on the wall. And then we'd have it again there on the bench so that they, there is always that visual reminder of these are the things we're working on. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, it, it's, I agree. it's, it's an interesting, you know, whole thing because as, as I sit here and think about it, like I said, the, the presentation and all that is actually starts in the recruiting process. Um, and you kind of hit on it in the opening that when you're recruiting the players, you're letting them know these are kind of the expectations. These are the things that are going to be happening. And, you know, when you get here, you know, you're going to have to understand this and, and we're going to work, work you through it. But um, I think that for some players, it, it could be overwhelming if that's not hit on. And then all of a sudden you're doing these scouting reports and, and, you're getting presented with, you know, well, look, you know, this team uh, likes to attack the right flank and, and you as a right back aren't strong enough. 
you know, uh, you know, we're going to kind of slide you over to the left today. Um, you know, whatever it may be. And, and some of those players don't, aren't quite ready for that kind of information. Um, you know, and so it does, it starts in the, to me, it starts in the recruiting process. Um, and you have to kind of build it all the way through that, that your presentation is consistent. It's in a, you know, the same location, the same demeanor before Utah state, they watch some videos and, and such before, before through the week and all that. But then right before the game, we come together, um, have a quick talk. These are the, some of the tendencies they're doing same idea. And then we head out to the field and we're ready to go. Um, you know, it, it's, but it's very basic, you know, we're not going to hit them with a whole bunch of things, uh, to, to overwhelm them. Um, but then that presentation continues, you know, like I said, we talked to the players as they came off the field, we had the players, um, speak up at halftime and, and talk about what they're seeing and what adjustments need to be made. Um, and, and I think that's important that, that we do that, um, consistently and, and, and giving those players, as you said, the, the value to speak because they are on the field, they are seeing things, uh, you know, coach, we're getting one, two, I'm not getting support in from the weak side defender. And so I'm getting beat. I need this little help here, you know, um, and coming from the players, then that weak side defender is now like, all right, I need to step up a little bit more, you know? Um, and I, I feel like that's important that the presentation and, and the understanding of it is consistent and is is thorough enough and 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 complete enough that the players don't have to necessarily think too much. They just know what to do, and then they, they it's just a slight adjustment maybe to their game that they already play uh, that they just have to be aware of um, when it comes down to playing the game. Yeah, you make you make great points, and I want to make a point before I ask you a quick question. It's I think. And this is this is obviously this is what I want to convey to to coaches and and you know whether you're the high school level club level you know um, youth level college level I, I think scouting reports for me have always been been an avenue to free up your players and value their strengths they have never been for me scouting reports have never been a an avenue of restricting players right so I think you you brought it up in your in what you just said and that's why I just wanted to highlight it was. Scouting reports are meant for us to have to bring the best out of our players. Uh, maybe that's the better way to say it is, is that's, you know, it was, it was always meant to say, Hey, this is our game plan because this is what's going to allow us and you to be the best version of yourself when we play this team. Um, and I think that's what it is, is, is I think some people see scouting reports as like a, maybe not a negative thing, but maybe something where it's like, it puts constraints on players and, and it makes them, you know, uh, do things that not necessarily want to do, but it's really not meant to do that. It, it, for me, it's always been meant to bring out the best version of, of, okay, if I have a really talented 10 and I have a really talented nine and I have a really, you know, this is how do we bring, you know, and obviously at the college level, you're, you're, you know, you're fortunate to have um, a team that's built, like you said, throughout the recruiting process and kids that, that you know, and kids that, that are familiar with how you do things, but yeah, it's always, how do you bring the best version out of, of your team to get a result? So it's never like, oh, let's just do this and let's hope that it works. Let's, you know, let's cross our fingers. No, it's, it's like, hey, this is the scouting report. And it's meant to, uh, meant to really allow you to do what you do best and, and to allow you to be the creative player or, or, or dangerous player that you are or, you know, ball winner that you are and things like that. So, and then my second part would be, and you brought up a great point when you brought up the in-state, in-state uh, rival. It's so funny because, and, and you probably have, you and I probably, we're at UCB and me at Johnson Wales, we probably have the similar relationship with our in-state rivals. Um, 
in terms of who's nearby, those were always trickier scouting reports for us because our kids are super familiar with them um, already. And I don't know if you had that same issue, not issue, but it was, it was a familiarity. It was a friendship. Like our, our crosstown rival is literally 10, 15 minutes away from us. And they've, they've really been a, a good team throughout our conference. Um, uh, well coached, good team in our conference for, for quite a long time. So our kids play indoor with them. Our kids play, you know, co-ed with them. They play adult league with them. So our kids are always very familiar with these kids. So for me, it was always balancing like, okay, I know my players want to win this game already because they're, yeah. they're ties with them. And, and like you mentioned, like that, that, um, that eagerness to play the game is already there because they're like, oh, this is my in-state rival. This means more, you know. So how did you ever balance that game plan day? You know, like that, that day where it was like maybe it's a little less tactical yeah. And it's a little bit more of like, hey, just emotionally do the, you know, like maybe do some some things different. Yeah, that was that was the the hard part, right? Is is um, for us recruiting was a little different because being where we were, we didn't get a lot of in-state kids. There were so many, you know, being in an NAI school, and you know how it is. Sometimes it's looked down upon. Um, so we would miss out to the low-level D1 kids, and and you know these kids that would rather go D2, um, and so when we would go play those teams, for me, it was a matter of, look, we can compete with these teams. We're just as good as these teams, um, you know, and, and this is your chance, you know, if it was some of those D1, D2 schools, so for some of my local girls, we would say, Hey, this is your chance to show them that they missed in recruiting you, um, you know, step it up a little bit. You can play a little bit better. You can, you can prove yourself here today against a team that, that, you know, maybe you didn't get looked at for the other NAI schools. It was like, Hey, we need to really focus here so we can, you know, get this kid. You remember this girl that visited, she's also looking at this school. This could help sway her thing. You know, um, you know, you know how the recruiting process goes, the girls, when they come in, they meet, they know each other, they talk, they keep in touch, especially now with social media. And, and a lot of those girls really like the other players. And, and that would kind of motivate some of them, you know, was, was, Hey, we have a chance to get so-and-so, you know, if we can just show that, you know, that we have a better program, um, you know, and, and it's on the field. Um, you know, it, it made it, it made it a challenge. It was, it was t- tough at times, um, to let my own personal things get out of the way and just let the game be played. Um, you know, because as coaches, sometimes I think you and I had a, a very friendly rivalry. Uh, but I don't know if you mm-hmm. have coaches that, you know, there wasn't necessarily as friendly of a rivalry either. Um, you know, yeah. and so you'd have some of that going on that you kind of have to let your personal feelings go and just let the players go play, let them have fun. Um, you know, for the most part, for our players, it was a chance that, like you said, they play against each other. They know each other. Those players that were local, their parents were able to go to the game, you know. So now, you yeah. know, it's it's even a bigger atmosphere for them and they're ready to play. And so, um, you know, for us, it was like, have yep. fun, enjoy the experience. Um, but, you know, really, you want to send a message that, that, you know, USCB is a viable option for anyone in the state of South Carolina to come play at. Um, you know, and you guys can have that chance to prove it here today. Um, maybe that kind of mentality didn't work all the time, but you know, that's kind of how I looked at things when it came to it. It was, it was being a small school, you know how it is. You're trying to find any way that will help you in the recruiting process. Um, you know, and to me, those big wins going against your rival, um, you know, uh, or an in-state team that, that, you know, maybe should be superior to you, but you can compete with may open some more doors for you in the recruiting process. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, there's definitely a few things, you know, obviously keys to, um, to what we just discussed that, that, you know, I think are, are big. So when it comes to understanding it, 
it's um, it's always about being prepared. You know, I think as a coach, uh, being prepared. If you, you know, obviously, if you convey confidence about the game plan, your your kids are going to feel more confident about the game plan. So know your game plan, know the opponent. If they have a question, obviously knowing, you know, knowing the answer in terms of what's what. Um, and then secondly, be clear and, sim- and simplify the roles. You know, obviously, you know, don't, don't uh, necessarily contradict yourself sometimes when you're telling your, your six or your eight or your 10 or your, your two center backs something. Obviously, be, be very clear in what you're asking them to do. And, and obviously keeping that open dialogue as well, not just being like, Hey, this is what you're doing. And this is what, you know, this is because you're doing it because I'm telling you to do it, making sure that they understand. And if they have the ability to ask questions and if they have the desire to ask questions, making that, you know, something that's, that's available. So three would be, you know, making, making it available for your team to ask uh, questions, you know, um, making it so that they have a safe environment where no question is a, is a bad question. And then fourth is, like I said, like I mentioned before, it was scouting reports are meant to free up your players and value their strengths, not restrict them. So understanding that, hey, this, you know, this is meant to, meant to enhance um, your game and not, you know, uh, take away from it. It's to, it's to make sure that the, the team is, is the best version of themselves and, um, and really allow them to, uh, to do what they do best. And, and I think that's, that's what every player yeah. wants to do is, is do what they do best and, and be valued and, and say, Hey, this is what you do really well and go do it. You know? So I think that's something that, that players need to know through that, that scouting report process. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh you know, it's a important part of it. Um, I think it, no matter the level, I know we kind of talked on college mostly, but scouting reports, as you mentioned earlier, can come into play at the high school and club level. And, and uh, you know, I think at each of those levels, it may vary slightly differently with, with what you're doing as far as the information you're able to get and how you, how you um, disseminate that information, but it's all the same. I think here, as, as we go forward, you know, Eric, we, we talked about evaluating the opponent, um, you know, and some of the key points there were tendencies, um, you know, the restarts, cues, if it be verbal or, or, or visual cues that are being given to the players on when to change things over. Um, and then, um, you know, when you're evaluating the opponent, looking at where is the space and how you can best uh, exploit that space. Um, you know, I think those are the, th- the, the main talking points there from, from our first point. Uh, we, we go into the second yeah. one and we talked about knowing your team and, and, and your strengths and weaknesses. And, and really for me, that was about being humble. Um, but, you know, outline, you know, what your outcomes are, um, what, you're, what you're wanting to have happen. Um, outline it, make it simple. Um, you know, know your personnel and know their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and then know, um, sorry, prepare to adjust as well. You know, things come along and, and you and I know, and I, all of us coaches, uh, we have to adjust. Maybe it's a windy day. Maybe it's raining. Um, you know, we have to adjust accordingly. Maybe their player ended up being injured or someone stepped up big for them. Um, so we do have to adjust, like you said, in your 15 minute intervals, if you have to make the adjustment, you guys kind of know what's going on there. Um, and then our final talking point was uh, just the presentation and understanding, um, uh, making sure the players are prepared um, to make you better. Um, you know, that, that that's the big one. I think that like, as you, you kind of focused on there was that scouting report isn't to hinder you in any way. It's to make you a stronger player and to make you play your best uh, against a specific opponent. Um, again, be clear and, and simplistic with your, with your uh, scouting reports. And then uh, leave it open to the players to ask questions. I, I feel that's a valuable one as the uh, 
players sometimes can ask some of the best questions because they're seeing it from their perspective and they're going to ask how they can accordingly adjust accordingly to be successful. Absolutely. So um, I appreciate the time with you, Eric. It was great, great chatting. Um, Like I said, it's been a while since we've been on together. Uh, I know our last episode with Sinead just got posted here recently, but uh, I think it's been a few weeks since we were on and and it's good to talk with you. I'm looking forward to our next episode. Uh, We'll we'll be coming back with a little bit more, I think, right. Um, With everyone kind of being at home, I think it opens up some time. We'll, we'll have some time to, to produce some more episodes. If you're listening and, there's some specific topics you want Eric and I to hit on, uh, you know, send us a message, uh, ball underscore goal underscore side at Twitter is our, uh, handle. Uh, you can get us on, uh, through email as well. Um, or go through our website, ballsidegoalside.com and, and reach out to us and let us know what you want to hear. And, and we'll be glad to, uh, look at it and see if we can, uh, talk about the topics a little more. Oh, 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 oh,